meet. Uh, we ask that you would pour out your presence when uh, the word comes today. Uh, we ask you to pour out your presence as we minister today. We ask that you pour out your presence through us in every way possible. We love you and we honor you and we thank you very much. We're going to take the offering right now, so uh, make out the check to Breakpoint or the bridge. Either way will work. Though we haven't got around to changing it at the bank, it seems to work fine either way. I guess if you hand it to them, whatever it says, they'll cash it. So that's good news. (laughs) Anyway, so make it out to the bridge. Uh, Father, I ask you to bless this offering right now, that we'd offer it unto you, Father, that you would take what's given by each and every individual and bless it and bring a uh, seven and hundredfold blessing to their life, Father. Father, I ask that this would be something that sacredly they give, give with a, uh, a willing heart, a desire to give. In your holy name, amen. So if you guys will pick up the offerings, Steve and Lois aren't here today. As you know, their, uh, her father died uh, last week, and so they're laying him to rest today. So that's why she's not here, and that whole crew. How about... Uh, we have a healing circle coming up, right? Next, this coming Saturday. So if you need prayer or know someone needs prayer, go on over. Or if you want to learn about praying for people, get in touch with Sibby. But also after service today, we'll be able to pray for people. When? This two coming Saturdays is training for the healing room. So if you want to know how to pray for the sick or want to improve on what you're doing in that, go over and she will train you. Because we pray for physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. So, hello, Holly, back. Welcome back home. Everybody's been traveling around for the summer, which I was. (laughs) How about glory stories? Anybody have a glory story they want to share this morning? Um, I just want to share this. I have um, quite a few that are little bitty ones, but I know it's God's hand. Um, He's done so many things. But I went to the training yesterday, and I firmly believe that that wind that came and knocked that tent down, later on during the day, I felt like it was just the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding, because I stayed at the park for like two, three more hours, um, you know, just talked to people and minister a little bit, just a teeny bit. But when I left, I went to the store, and I'm not kidding I went to the cash register. I thought I had enough, and I didn't. And I was totally embarrassed. There was a big line of people, and I'm like, okay, well, let me just go through. To make a long story short, this lady that was behind, behind another lady came up, and she said, I'll pay for it. And I looked at her, and she said, it's okay. She said, just put it on. And, I mean, I just knew in that moment that it was God's hand. And then later on in the evening, my grandson fell at the park, hit his face, hit his arm. And I know I saw that these two things were bleeding. Last night... He took off the Band-Aid, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's, it's, there's a piece of it that's gone. It's to- and I said, wait a minute. I said, you had two, and he only has like a little bitty thing. And I just really believe that God touched his hand. I've had people call me on the phone to, to in this church, and they know who they are, that just said, God told me to give you money for gas, which I don't have a car now, but on and on and on and on. He just, it was amazing. So I just want to share that, and I want to thank all of you for your friendship and just, your prayer. So hang on. He's awesome. All right. All right. Didn't you have something, Karen, about blessing prayer stuff recently? No? 
I'm going to share for Aniko. Even if Aniko was here, I wouldn't let her share because of her. <laughs> she cracks me up. Her stories are longer than mine, which is really hard to do. But um, um, <laughs> through a dream interpretation that Sebastian had for Aniko, brought about some prayer that she needed in her life from what the Lord had shown her about an inheritance thing from her mom that was a sin nature thing, that was a generational thing. And so she called me on the phone. It was her birthday, you recall, um, last week or so. And she says, for my birthday, she calls me on her birthday. For my birthday, I want two things. I want the Lord to heal me of this generational issue and um, part of that generational issue was getting right with everything, like not getting paid under the table, any of those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Those were some of the things that were in her family line. So she said, this is what I want for my birthday. So we pray about that just over the phone, you know, spent some great time. And then she said, and the other thing I would like is I would like my son to call me for my birthday. And if you know any of the history of this poor woman's family, it's just been very difficult with her children because of a series of issues that happened when they were younger and they don't really respect their mother and it kills her. She calls me on the phone on her birthday for this prayer and she says, you know, you're my family because my family is not family to me yet, but the Lord's going to heal my sons are going to come to me. So long story short, we pray this prayer and I'm thinking, oh God, oh God, oh God, I hope he calls, you know. She calls me the next day. My son called me on the phone, and this is from Hungary, calls her on the phone, which is her happy birthday, which they have never done. And the second one was she's been praying for um, and waiting for her Section 8, and uh, she got her letter in the mail the next day. So, you know, all of these restorations happened in her life, and, and I just have to point out, too, it was not only her obedience, but it was also the interpretation of a dream, so it was, it was really awesome. And if anybody knows about Section 8, she has been on the list for three years for Section 8. So it would show up the next day. is pretty miraculous. We have some guest speakers today. I don't know if both are speaking or not, but last night someone dropped by, uh, Sandy Ellison and Linda Prince. And uh, Sandy Ellison is a Shawnee, uh, First Nations person, and Linda Prince is from the tribe of Carrier Sikoni, right? No. Whatever it is, you'll tell when you come on up here. Uh, anyway, the, which is from Canada. Uh, and she is ministered, Linda Prince has ministered all over the world. She's known for the 120 drums of thunder, uh, reconciliation, drumming that between First Nation tribes and other peoples of the world. And she's uh, met with kings and queens and presidents of countries and ministers all over the world. And so we didn't tell anybody since she told me this morning she would speak. So we couldn't tell anybody else that this place would be filled with a bunch of First Nations people. <laughs> so she's kind of doing it a little underground. But uh, matter of fact, when the Queen of England came to Canada, she's the one that welcomed her and protocoled her. And when Prince Charles and, and uh, Princess Diane, same thing. So she's well-known and well-respected. And she's probably one of the most pro prophetic people I know. Uh, you know John Paul Jackson's prophetic. Well, this woman's prophetic, prophetic too, even more. <laughs> anyway, so if you would, whoever's speaking, both of you or either one of you, come on up and we'd love to hear from you.
sorry, you're going to have to deal with this one. Do you want it in the pier or? Glad to be here. Uh, my name is Sandy, and um, I'm Native American from Fallon, Nevada, so I'm one state over. And um, my tribes are Shoshone and Paiute from Nevada. And um, I've been traveling with Linda just a couple of days now, and I didn't uh, realize that we'd be down here in California and LA. I knew we were coming to LA, but I didn't know we were going to be down in what was the place? Malibu? Malibu. Malibu. And staying overnight almost really close to the beach. So I, I was blessed because I'm from the desert area, as you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I thank God that I can be here as part of the body of Christ. Um, um, my people, uh, my mom's people are uh, Shoshone from Nevada, and my mom passed away about um, just a little over a year now, and she passed away. Uh, she was 93 and a half years old. She spoke her language, and uh, she, we grew up uh, not traditional as Native American people, but we grew up as uh, Indian people. Uh, not even from the reservation. I never even grew up on the reservation when I was small, but we went back to the reservation when I was maybe about 16, 17. We went back to my dad's reservation, which is in Fallon, Nevada. And, um, and that's where I live now. And um, But uh, my mom taught me many things of her people. She spoke her language fluently, which uh, was never allowed in the home because of my father, um, I believe that was might even been part of the boarding school ways because when they went to boarding school in Carson, there's Carson City, Nevada. There's a Indian boarding school, which is closed down now. And my brother has a church over there. Um, it's a, a Baptist church. And this is where I go from Fallon. Whenever I get a chance to go over there, I go and um, support him and but the boarding school over there is closed down now, and um, my father had went to it, and my mother did not. But uh, we never, we never. And my father was a carpenter, and he did a lot of homes in Carson City. So we were raised in the the city of Carson City, and uh, for many years. But uh, he did not want the language spoken, so uh, never had a. I understand a little bit of it from the people if they speak, but. Uh, not too much of it. It's a lost, a lost art in our, to our people. But the reservation out there, they're trying to bring a lot of the cultural things back to our people, which is um, the traditional ways and, you know, the respecting of the elders and uh, the crafts and the language. They're trying to install, install it into our younger people, into our um, youth. But there's so much already on the reservation um, that has come in, like uh, the meth and the, the drinking and all of this stuff and um, uh, abuse uh, coming on the reservation. And my reservation is about uh, probably a little over a, th a thousand people, uh, members. And um, but. Uh, 
we still have so much for a small place. We, we know what's going on and there's such. So um, we just, if you remember the reservations all over the place, even uh, the native people here in the city, I don't know where they are. Maybe they, they live right in the, I guess they're called, um, um, what are they called? <laughs> the ones in the city, they, they live here in the city. And, you know, I, but the native people on the reservation uh, need a lot of prayers. So in your prayers, I just ask that you you pray for pray for us in Nevada, pray for all the First Nation people, the United States. And, you know, there are just uh, so many that uh, they're so um, we have the religion. We have the 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 different like uh, like Nevada is a lot of more Mormonism. And uh, but we have the churches on the reservation. But, you know, it's hard to see the, the native people in the churches and stand within the churches and and being being dedicated to what God has. Um, there's so many out there that would just say it's a white man's religion. But, you know, our God is not a white man. He's a spirit. And and our people worship. Uh, the creator, they don't worship the feather, they worship the creator and, and, and they respect, uh, so we have a lot of traditional people, spiritual people that are still out there and still looking for this man called Jesus. And, um, so remember us in your prayers. such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Actually, I was passing through. Tell the truth now, Gary, Karen. I was passing through, and I decided I would call them and maybe have lunch. And they ambushed us. We ended up spending the night, and you know how prophetic people, when we get together, we start talking, and the spirit starts moving, and time just slips away. But we are on our way to um, Banning, Morongo Reservation, Saboba Reservation, all in there. But we wanted to see some of the ocean. And um, you are blessed to be here. But uh, there's some things that I, I do want to share. I feel is for the body of Christ. And you are the body of Christ. Because first and foremost, the Lord wants to remind each of you that he loves you very much. That God is a God of love. It's not something he teaches about or knows about. The Bible says God is love. And perhaps you've been going through some things. You know, number nine, there was some words released 2009. Nine is judgment. And it's a time and a season when we as the body of Christ, as individuals, come to the Lord. It doesn't matter what people say about you or think about you or talk about you. You know your heart and your heart with the Lord. You know yourself. So it's a time to come away in a season to ask the Lord to deal with the issues in your life and your heart. And it's going to one another and saying, brother, sister, you know, I, I don't want anything of God. And I give you permission. If you see anything in my life that's not of God, I give you permission to speak into my life. I give you permission to cast it out of me because I don't want anything but God. Because God is preparing his body for the coming glory. And you know, some people, and the Lord showed me this, the people are wanting to get in shape. 
Maybe God's been speaking to your physical body to get in shape, to exercise. You know what that's for? That's for the coming glory. Because when the glory of God consumes your physical body, you should be able to stand. That's the whole purpose of his coming, so you can bring the harvest in. And if you're not in physical shape and spiritual shape to receive and contain his glory, you're going to be slain in a spirit all the time and no earthly good to God in the harvest. We'll have to be dragging you around. And we don't want to be dragging you around. We want you standing, up and standing, and working in the field of the harvest. (laughs) Anyway, that's just a side thing I thought I'd throw in there for free. That's what the Lord showed me. So I've I've been practicing that myself. I said, Lord, because if you've ever had a visitation from the Lord, you won't be standing because his glory and his presence is so awesome. And people pray for the glory, but they don't understand what they're praying for. Because when he comes, I mean, you are, you are undone. And I think I have a feeling, know what it's like to die. Because it's like a giant magnet of love and everything just sucks out of you. And it's attracted to this giant magnet of love. And you just get consumed. And you're just enveloped and engulfed in a in a power of love that is so powerful, there's nothing on earth that can keep you or contain you. And in this hour, as we're preparing for the harvest, the Lord's been speaking to me about shape-shifting. He wants the church, the body of Christ, to shape-shift into the bride of Christ. You know, when you're betrothed, when you fall in love, and when you fall in love with somebody, you want to spend as much time with that individual as you can, right? And it's during that time when you're spending time together, you get to know each other. You know what a person likes, of what they dislike. And a lot of people may say to you, uh, talk to you about Jesus, but they may not really know him. If I knew, um, if I knew this person, for instance, I would know everything he liked. I would know if he liked coffee or tea, and if he drank either, if he wanted cream or sugar in it. See, that's, those are details when you can say you know somebody. But if I don't know that, then he's, he's a casual acquaintance. I know his name, but I know nothing about him other than that. So God, the Lord is calling us into that intimate place, into that secret place where we get to know him. We know what grieves his heart. We know what makes him happy. And I'm telling you, it's in the word that the Lord, he wants, he says, none, his heart is that none should perish. So that he wants this harvest in is so important to him. And he wants us in our place where we should be. So it's praying during this 2009 year, as I was fasting praying, he said, pray in, in your alignments. There's some relationships that have to be broken because I'm going to share a powerful dream I had. And I want, I want you to judge it for yourself and to give you a scripture that goes with it that I've been sharing as I've been traveling um, around North America and the world. I want you to know that um, because God loves us, he's wooing us and he's preparing us. And he doesn't do anything until and he first reveals it to his prophets. So that as you hear the word of the Lord, pray you have hearing ears. 
This is one thing you need to pray for in this hour, to have a hearing ear. He that hears. How many times did Jesus repeat this over and over in Scripture? Let him that has a hearing ear hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. It's so crucial. The greatest, uh, the greatest level you can attain on planet Earth while you're still in this human temple, human body, is to hear the voice of God and to know it's him. Where you don't have to discern, Lord, is this you? Is this not you? Is this the enemy? I don't want to be deceived. But to know the voice of the Lord. If you have that, you've got everything else. But that knowing that intimate voice, that intimacy, is spending that time with him. You get to know. I was reading this report on one of my flights, and it was about all these fathers, and they were questioning them. So there was like five or six men that were fathers, and they asked them these questions, and they had all their wives, these six women in another room, and they, they were asking them the same question, and they were producing the results of this survey they were doing. So the question was, if you hear, if you're in a home and the windows are open and you hear, you know your children are all playing outside and you hear a child crying, how many fathers would jump up and the fathers, um, how many of you would jump up and all the fathers put up their hand? They asked the same question in the next room to the, to the wives and only one hand went up and the, the difference was all the fathers said they would run to see if it was their child, but the mother said only one would jump up, and that would be the mother of the child because they, they knew the cry of their own children. They could tell their voice and the way they cried and the tone of their cry. So that's where God wants us to come into that nurturing area where we would only one would respond because we know that we know that we know. Because God is about to move and he's going to shake this world one more time. There's a harvest. There's a revival that's coming. I was sharing um, with Gary and Karen about the, this young man that was in his closet praying and he was interviewed just recently. But he's been in his prayer closet praying every day. No one knows his name. He's just a young man that loves God. And his prayer has been for revival. Every day he prays for revival. Recently he had an experience where he was taken out of his body. And he was taken into heaven. And this door opens. And out comes this black man. And it was William Seymour. William Seymour who was used in the Azusa Street Revival. And he said he, if he ever saw an ambassador, this was an ambassador, he said he was a tall, handsome black man, and he was dressed like an ambassador, just dressed so regal. And he said he spoke to him, and he said, you're doing everything right in this prayer, but you're, there's one thing you're missing, and that's you're forgetting to pray for the children. And William Seymour, apparently, why this happened at this hour in Acts 17:26, he says he preported our times and our boundaries, but also the times and the season. And he said because William Seymour had prophesied prior, just prior to his death, that another revival was going to hit this earth a hundred years from that time period, and that hundred years is up in 2010. And so people are saying 2009, we are. Dealing with ourselves, rather than God judging us, 
We are going to God according to Psalm 139. And this is the scripture that he's had me sharing across the country. Psalm 139 should be a prayer for each of us as as the children of God in the body of Christ. And you know what that psalm says. God's perfect knowledge of man. And it's a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Do you feel like you're running from God sometimes? In this prayer, when you pray to align yourself with God, he will show you. And you may end up somewhere you don't want to be. But that's God's desire and purpose because he's going to position you for the harvest. So if I send to heaven, there you are. I make my bed in hell. Behold, you are there. And he goes on, but the, the, the part that he showed, he showed me is verse 23 is very pivotal. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That word wick comes from, you know, a candle wick? You know, the wick of a candle is twisted. And it means simply twisted. Is there anything that has twisted you? And, and also the other word that he spoke is we must break soul ties, ungodly soul ties, what he called it, with the world. Remember, Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. And we can't get too comfortable because the day you became born again, you lost your citizenship with earth, with the world. You lost your citizenship with the world and you became a citizen of a new kingdom. There's a kingdom that's coming and we must become kingdom minded because we are daughters and sons of a king. And protocol and all of these things that we teach and that are important are only practice runs for us to receive the king of kings and lord of lords. And Gary was telling you that, you know, I had audience with the queen and Princess Diana and the Pope and all of these people. And there's ways we don't just run into the city or into a room the day of our meeting. No, we fly in a week before. We're given um, bodyguards. We're given people that introduce us and that take care of us. But the most important of all our meetings is not the actual meeting itself. It's the, or the day we do this thing called orientation to protocol. And on that day, they bring you into a room, all the dignitaries that, that are going to have an audience with this person, and they tell you how to greet this individual. You know, what the actual title is, uh, what our dress code is, uh, if we're allowed to touch them or not. Um, we have like, and it's like in parliaments too, you appear in parliaments in Australia or wherever, you have three minutes basically, sometimes you have five minutes. So you don't waste words, you don't chit chat and talk about the weather and you have to know what, what the heart is, why you're there, what you need to get across to this individual and you pray about the terminology. There's a lot of terminology in words, but what is the word that you could use that's going to make the most impact.
The Apostle Paul wrote about Ephesians 6.12. He said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And he didn't just pick that. It was downloaded by the Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to download that on us. Do not be afraid when you appear before kings and queens. Because although you do not know what to say, the Spirit knows. So why did the Apostle Paul use that word wrestle? In actual translation of the English, it means the same thing all over the world in every language group. And Sandy was talking about the restoration of languages. These were things that were taken from us. We did not have the privilege. It was outlawed to speak our own language. And I said, God, what is important in that, in this hour of restoration for the coming harvest? And Fox News recently aired General Petraeus, and he was handing out medals to the wounded soldiers in Walter Reed Hospital in Washington, D.C. So as he goes, there's this pilot from the 101 First Airborne pilot gets shot down and he goes into a coma. And he's in this hospital lying in a bed in a coma. And so all, uh, General Petraeus puts his medal on him and starts to walk away. But you could see, you could actually see the compassion on this man that he has for this wounded warrior laying in a coma on a bed. And as he starts to walk away, he turns around and he shouts a word to him. And it's the secret code word for the 101st Airborne. And it's an ancient Cherokee word. But when he shouted to him with a heart full of compassion, the man woke up out of a coma. So what's invested in us in the return of the Ancient of Days, as the Lord has been having me pray, return, open up ye ancient gates, Return, O ancient of days, release your ancient anointings that's going to deal with the ancient strongholds in this hour, that's going to release the harvest. Because for the most part, when land is defiled, there's curses on the land, you're dealing with all kinds of occult and everything. And the Bible in Ezekiel says there's a veil on the eyes of the people. It's like there's a veil on them. And you can preach to them all you want. You can present the gospel, but it doesn't register. It comes by revelation. So the new prayer that the Lord has me praying for our people, for the Jews in Israel, and all those that we minister to wherever we travel, every people group on every continent, is, Lord, reveal yourself to them one more time. And this time, may they recognize you. Before, it was always battling, you know, salvation, salvation. It's a simple prayer. And God reveals, because he's always revealing himself to every people group, to every individual. Every individual. He wants everyone in the kingdom with him. That the scripture is clear. That's his heart. So if you, he's the lover of your soul. If you're in love with Jesus, you're going to want to do what he wants done and you're going to want to prepare yourself and get yourself ready for this but i had a dream all this led me uh, from a dream you know every year end i take time out all year long we're busy ministering year end is the time when we steal away and we fast and we pray i know you know the world is celebrating what the, the christmas season and all that but it's a time when i'm called to fast and pray so there's no, um, and, and you have to know, the Bible says you not to let anyone know you're praying fasting. Comb your hair and make yourself look good, not, not like the hypocrites that are 
moaning and groaning and somebody offers you all the goodies that come out at Christmas, you just smile and you say, no, thank you. Or sometimes you take it and you just give it to somebody, serve somebody else or take it home for somebody else. But you, you, the Lord gives you the wisdom how to move during this season. And you're seeking God for the new year of what he wants because you don't want to miss it. You don't, you don't want to miss out after all these years. And that's how I feel. God, I want to make it every day. You know, the Psalms is full, full of desperate prayers of people, even of kings like David. And they're saying, help me, Lord, help me. If you don't help me, I'm going to perish. I'm going to die, God. If you don't help me, if you don't intervene, you know, my soul is going to go down to Sheol. And they are desperate and they are calling on God. Please help me. And, and, and if they did it, if King David did it, then why should we be different today? Why do we have to go around and make it look like we got it all together and that we, we are in a good position? No, we got to get desperate sometimes and say, God, you know, I just came from a huge conference, several thousand people, and I was praying those prayers because what I don't like is the religious spirit. And even though everybody comes from I don't know how many countries and they love God, you know, you can still be bound by religiosity and people can drive you crazy, right? And I say, I'm saying, help me, Lord. I'd rather be with the sinners and the prostitutes downtown <laughs> sometimes. And it drives me crazy because people, they, they're demanding their own way and they can be so rude to one another, so dishonoring to one another. And I'm cringing inside because I'm thinking we're made in the image of Christ. That's why protocol is so powerful because you're honoring someone and that person is made in the image of Christ. So in essence, you're honoring the God, the creator God who created them. You see, that worship is reciprocal. And if you look up worship in the Bible, it's one of the categories is ceremonies. So our ceremonies of protocol are actual worship to God. You know, we honor somebody. Sometimes maybe the Lord will speak to you and say, maybe you hang out at Starbucks, for instance, all the time. And you start, the staff start getting to know you. And one day the Lord tells you, bring a gift to so-and-so at Starbucks. And, and you just want to honor them. You're not there to preach to them. You're not to try and win them. And maybe they've had it up to here with religion. But you're just displaying love and honor to them. And you watch how that person opens up. And we practice this amongst our grand chiefs and chiefs. And in the first year protocol, as we were doing this ministry with 120 drums, in the first year alone, five grand chiefs came to the Lord. And they are the hardest of the hardest to win to Christ. But that's the power of love because they have an encounter with love. Because people will always criticize, they'll always say something, but there's very few people that will honor and say, I just want to honor you. I honor you because I recognize God. Uh, God created you and he placed you here and he's the one that put you in that position of authority. And, and you know, the word says an honor and they, they'll say, really? Well, tell me more about the word. <laughs> and usually a lot of times, and sometimes it's so crucial because some of these men have gone home to be with the Lord. So what if we miss the timing of God? Sometimes we don't want to go and we don't want to do it. We drag our feet. But there's a revival coming. And I, I saw a vision. Well, 
Karen told me it's a night vision. So you see, I'm learning about this uh, powerful dream where the presence of God stayed in my bedroom three days afterwards. And I've had several of those in my life. And I just assume everybody has those experiences because that's our normal inheritance to walk with the Lord, right? So I'm praying that impartation on you all today, that you have these dreams and these night visions, and that he opens the eyes of your understanding and revelation, and every veil comes off you, and that you will be able to move in the supernatural and tap into your inheritance that the blood of Jesus paid for you on Calvary's cross. And so in this dream, I've been walking a long journey. I've been a believer. It'll be, it's 30 years. I just celebrated my 30th birthday in the Lord. And in the dream, I've walked a long way. And I felt probably it's in my walk with the Lord. And I thought I was coming to this mountaintop. And I was so happy in a dream because I thought, I've arrived. I'm going to make it. The mountaintop is here. But you know what? When I got to the mountaintop, my heart sank because there beyond the mountaintop was this long desert plain. And I'm going, oh, man. I thought, you mean I have to cross this now? That's the thought. And it was a clear, beautiful day, not a breeze in the sky. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound. You know how fighter jets sound? Fighter jets, like we do work in the Middle East, so I'm well aware of fighter jets that come. And a long ways off, you can hear them. And that's what it sounded like. Now, in the dream, I'm about to turn around to see, because the sound was coming from behind me. I wanted to see But I didn't have time to turn around. That's how fast this hit. The next thing I knew, I got caught up in this powerful wind. It wasn't a fighter jet. It was a strong, powerful wind. And I was caught up off the ground, probably that high, and I began flying through the air. And all of a sudden, I could see different people aligning with me. And I started looking around to see who I could recognize. And my heart. was sad because there was so few and I thought where's everybody where's everybody else I was happy to be in that position and yet my heart was breaking at the same time and all of a sudden I felt some a tall man standing behind me because at first when I got caught up, I was so busy looking around and, and finding out my surroundings and everything. And I thought, okay, there's a man behind me. I wonder who he is. And I wonder how long he'd been there. Perhaps he'd been there all along. And just as I thought that, I could feel him, though I was looking forward. I could feel him bending down and he whispered into my left ear. And he said, go back and get the woman. And I didn't want to leave that place of bliss, but my heart melted every part. My heart melted like wax, and I felt every bit of me just melt. And I said, hey, wait a minute. I recognize that voice. It's the voice of my beloved Lord. And when you're so in love, you just, even though you don't want to go, you say, yes, Lord. I didn't even finish the yes, Lord, 
I turned around in a twinkling of an eye, I was back and I found myself coming to landing on this decaying house. It was, it looked like a mansion. It was a beautiful home to behold, but I, it was mildew, full of mildew, and I knew it had been cleaned one time, very clean, but there was no movement in the house for many years. So you know what happens when a house is left empty, right? You find the mildew and the dust that comes on it. So the sun, even though it was bright outside, couldn't come in. It was kind of dimly lit. And I knew this woman, he wanted me. I knew in my spirit supernaturally she was asleep and she was in this. There was all these doors. It was like a mansion. There was all these doors. And I knew immediately which door to go to. I opened the door and sure enough, there was this woman and she was asleep. She had on this long white nightgown. You know, the ones you see in the movies, the linen gowns that all puffy sleeves, the and I knew it was white when she went to sleep, but she'd been asleep so long it was now yellow and it had turned into, into this musty smelling thing. And I woke, I was angry when I saw her and I grabbed her and I said, what are you doing asleep? I said, wake up. Don't you know we've been caught up and we're moving now at a fast pace. And she was very lethargic. She couldn't move and she couldn't wake up. I let her go, and she fell back into bed, and she seemingly fell back asleep. And I grabbed her the second time. I said, wake up. I shook her again, and again she fell. And this time I realized I had a sword and a shield in my hand. So I knew I had to do some work here now. I'm debating which should I put down, the sword or the shield. The shield had a thing, so I slung it on my and put the sword down, and then I picked her up the third time. And this time I stood her up, and I was shaking her. And all of a sudden, I realized that she had this white cake. It looked like a mask, you know, when you go to a ball. That's what it looked like. And it was this dried up stuff. And I felt it was oil that once ran from her head down and had dried over her eyes. She did not realize. She thought she was blind. She did not realize she was not blind, that the reason she couldn't see was this dried up stuff. So then I thought, oh, man, I've got to work to do here. So I sat her down and I started and I thought, oh, it's not going to take long because it's not that much. But out of my left ear, all of a sudden, I heard the approaching hoofbeats, thousands of hoofbeats of horses. And I knew it was an evil army coming. And I was thinking, no wonder I've been sent back for her because she's right in the pathway of this army that's coming and surely they will kill her. So I said to her about the hoofbeats. And I knew she couldn't hear it, but I could hear it. So she had to take my word for it. But she didn't respond this whole time. She didn't respond. She didn't move or anything to help me. But it wasn't until I put my fingernails in this white stuff on her eye that I realized it's going to take longer than I anticipated because it was thick. Though it didn't look like much, it was thick into her. So I started scraping away thinking I had only so much time before this army descended upon us to get this off her eye. And then I heard the hoofbeats again, and I said to her, the hoofbeats are coming this time. She, I said, if you don't lift a finger to help me, because she's sitting there this whole time, I'm doing all the work. I said, if you don't lift a finger to help me, I'm going to have to leave you. And that same wind that brought me is going to bring me back to the front lines. But... 
this army will get you. And she, at this point, though she, she couldn't see, she grabbed my, she groped for my hand and grabbed me. She said, please don't leave me here, please. I said, then you have to lift a finger to help me. If we work together, we can make it. So I lifted her hand. I said, you scrape this left eye. I'm scraping her right eye. And all of a sudden, I could see her pupils and stuff. I knew it was enough that she could see, although it wasn't scraped completely off her. I knew she could see. I said, where we're going, you have to see for yourself. And no one can carry you or take care of you. You have to see for yourself. So we have to get this off. And then I helped her get her left eye. And just as her pupil came into being, I said, there's no more time. Where's your clothes? We've got to dress you up. And there on the chair were the clothes she had taken off when she went to bed. And they were well outdated, very outdated clothing and musty and smelly. But there was no more time to look for anything. So I took off her nightgown, helped her, and dressed her up as quickly as we could. And I said, I went to pick up my sword, and all of a sudden it became illuminated, you know, like Star Wars. And the sword becomes illuminated. I said, now, I know you can't fly, but I can. So if you take a hold of this sword, I'll lead you out. And there were these three steps out of this mansion kind of out. And I said, the same wind that came will pick us up. But if you hang on to this sword, you will be caught up with me. She said, okay. No longer had I finished saying that. This wind again, you couldn't hear. It was a clear day. It had no warning or anything. It just came, and we were caught up, and we got back to the front lines where I'd started with. I was, my heart began to beat because it wasn't until I got back into the alignment with the others that I realized what had happened because we could have been killed at any time. That army could have descended upon us, and my heart began to pound within me. And I looked beside her, and I'll never forget the look in her eyes as I looked at her, and I assessed her. She was, her hair was messy, she was dirty, she hadn't had bathed in years, and she looked a mess. She didn't have time to comb her hair, and her clothes were outdated. And I said, who would want this woman, and why was I sent back for her? I woke up and literally I felt like in, I was flying. My body was coming in for a landing. The presence of God was so strong. Like I said, it stayed. I would go to work or go away somewhere and I'd come back. The presence would still be there three days. And when I sent, and then five days later, I had another dream. Again, the presence of God stayed another three days. And I felt they were similar and this time I came through this desert plain I felt that I saw from the mountaintop. And I came upon these angels, and I was so excited to see them. But I was more excited at what they were looking at in the ground. And I felt I came through the desert plain, and I went to look in the ground, and there were these hidden giant barrels of shofars buried in the ground. And the angels didn't pay attention about me walking up. And they were talking about who's going to get a shofar. And then I thought, who are they talking about? I'm the only one here out in the desert. I turned around, looked around. Next thing I knew, there was this lineup of people. They were of many ethnic, um, different ethnic backgrounds. But as far as my eye could see in this desert plain where people lined up. And all of a sudden, I realized my job, I have a job here. My job is to hand out the shofars to all these people. They were lined up to get new shofars. And I've, I've been working with Israel for many years, and I know probably every type of shofar. But in my dream, 
These shofars were exquisite, incredible shofars I'd never seen ever on planet Earth. And I was excited. I said, oh, people are getting you shofars. And I looked over, and it was a Tongva tribe, tribal girl that was the first in line, but everybody else was, didn't have a face on them. And when I pieced her name together, it means God, um, God is my oath. God has been gracious to me. And I felt the Lord said that we are the human shofars. It's time to tell our testimony. So when a harvest is coming, and especially if we've walked with the Lord 30, 40 years, 17 years, we forget about the salvation message. We forget about the gifts of the Spirit. We forget about cleaning out people's lives and knowing, especially if they've been involved in the occult, right, that they, they need to make that transition from the lifestyle they used to lead into a godly lifestyle, and it's the Word of God. So you can't bring anybody higher than you are yourself, so that scripture in Psalm 139 is a prayer for us in this hour as the body of Christ. Search me, O God, and know me. And what is it? Because whatever you've been delivered and set free from, God will use you to minister into this great coming harvest of the influx of souls. And in another dream, I saw the people by the thousands coming, but there were not enough laborers. So you know what Jesus said about the harvest? He said, call all your family home. Harvest time. Farmers do that on earth today. So we're use, he's using that as analogy. The farmers, because the harvest is only a certain season. And if you don't bring it in, it's going to rot and go to waste. And we don't want the harvest of the living God to rot and go to waste. These beaches, the glory of God is going to start moving on these beaches, all of these towns and all of these regions. And, and we are the carriers of the king's glory. So you know you're a carrier tribe too. I'm not the only carrier native here. You are the carriers of the king's glory. He resides in you. That's why you can walk into an atmosphere like Starbucks or Safeway or wherever you go. And you can shift and change the atmosphere because of who's in you. And sometimes people, that's all they need is to feel that presence. And you might save somebody's life. You might, the Lord will use you. He's got no second best. There's no plan B. You are it. So you have to step up to the plate and say, God, like Isaiah said, here I am. I am willing. Are you willing? And God is calling us. Are you willing? Today, where he's bringing that realignment in his body. Are you just a casual acquaintance or are you going to go into the inner courts, into that intimate place? Because once you get there, it's from that that he draws, draws the love and you become that magnet that, that will sweep people into the kingdom. Stand to your feet. And we just enter into your presence now, Father. We're not looking around who's beside us, behind us, in front of us. Lord, who's delivered your word now, it's between you and the individual. So, Father, we lock our hearts. This is your body that you died for. This is the body of Christ, the bridge of Malibu, the bridge of this area, Santa Monica. Lord, we, we release this to you and every individual that heard this message you drew out by your spirit this morning. 
There were no pre-advertisement. No one knew what was going to happen today. You drew your people out. Now, Father, I ask you to touch them. And the angels that gather are reserved for this end time hour. The gathering angels, I call you forth to help to minister to every individual into their home, into their families. I thank you, Lord, for every heart, for every brother, every sister, every individual. And we do pray for the children and the children's children of every individual in this body that you're going to use in this hour. Every young person, Lord, of that, we declare an Abrahamic blessing on on the Lord, the younger, the Davidic blessings on the Solomons that will rebuild your temple. And of all the best of the precious gold and the glory that's coming. Father, fill each person from the tip of their head to the soles of their feet. Fill them with your love first and foremost. That's the message you said. To remind them and tell them, I love them. I love them, I love them, I love them. And even if you never did another thing for him, he would still love you. If you sin, then confess your sin and get back up and keep going. Because he will never throw you out. He's your father and he loves you. Just if you're a father and you have a child, you're going to love them. Even if they do wrong, they keep coming back. You're not going to chase them away. You're going to keep receiving them. Even though sometimes you're not happy with them. That's the same and greater, even greater, your heavenly father loves you. So, Father, just pour that love into them. And I ask you to bind up their brokenheartedness, to unlock their prison doors, to set them free where the enemies captivated them with any lies that they are not worthy, that they'll never make it, that they keep failing you, they keep falling that they are worth nothing, break the curse of every negative thought and spoken word that was ever spoken over them from the time they were conceived in their mother's womb until now. Break every curse, every yoke, break every generational curse on their father and mother's line. And we call them forth into their prophetic destiny and the purposes and the callings of their lives. Father, these is your body. This is, these ones are going to run Lord, they're going to keep up with the horsemen and no longer the footmen. Put that type of anointing on them, that they will be ready and positioned for what you are about to release and do on planet Earth. And take away every oppression, depression, every discouragement. Lord, remove every offense from their heart in Jesus' name. And I speak healing to them from the tip of their head to the soles of their feet. Be thou healed in Jesus' name. For it is written, Isaiah 53, that he, meaning the Lord Jesus, was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was put upon him. And by his stripes you were healed. Spirit, soul, and body. Break off every ungodly soul tie. Lord, of previous relationships, previous ideologies, teachings, false teachings, anything they went through in their lifetime. And Lord, break every power of the enemy of lies and deception that tried to come upon them from the world. Break that ungodly soul tie with the world. As you said, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are of the kingdom 
of the new Jerusalem coming down, the kingdom of the living God, the creator God, and put a warrior spirit on them to rise up, Lord, rise up. For we declare this is the day you, the Lord our God, has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And a merry heart does good like medicine. May we be literal walking medicine. Whether it's on the beach, into Starbucks, or wherever we go. Literal walking medicine. We are the carriers of your glory. And we honor you, Lord. This is our body, but it's your life. For the joy of the Lord is our strength, and out of our innermost belly, you said, shall flow rivers of living water. So spring up a well within us, and let it flow through us. We thank you so much, Lord, for another day on planet Earth. Thank you for the gift of life. We command the day in our favor, Lord, the noon and the afternoon, the evening and the night. We thank you, Lord, that we will accomplish your purposes and will for which you bore us on planet Earth. I speak a blessing on this church, upon this body of Christ. And Lord, I call from the north, south, east, and west those that are to be here to bring in the harvest in this region. Bring in the laborers, Lord. Bring in the finances that are needed. Everything that's needed. Bring the alignment with the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Awesome message. Awesome word. Uh, those of you who need prayer, I want you to come forward and we can pray for you for anything. Maybe that, uh, maybe you feel like that bride of Christ that, uh, his eyes are covered and need them open. Come forward and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, we release you to go. We ask you, uh, that the Lord would bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. We love you and we thank you for coming. Amen. So, need prayer? Come forward.